We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is all, yeah, for me, you know, I know people have been doing it all week and I've listened to the station a lot. And I know, I mean, people do compare it to the stages of dying. And I do think there's a certain uh, connection there, but. All right, let's get this out of the way. And and give me just a moment here to unfold this. They lost last Sunday. They lost the Super Bowl for for many reasons. They and I can't point the finger at one guy, which certainly does not exoner, exonerate Jonathan Gannon who had a, <laughs> did a terrible job. The defense was atrocious in the second half. They didn't adjust. They couldn't make a play. I heard Mike Lombardi on the station this week saying they defended one pass. In the entire game. One pass. Yeah. And, and they had no pass rush. All game, the best pass rush in the last league did nothing. They were slipping, sliding on the turf. But it's a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. They lost because of Sam Allo's legal motion penalty and then the fumble and the damn punt return off of Sipos' lame line drive. And the bad penalty call, of course. And maybe Nick not being as daring. And Slay neglecting to cover somebody on that last touchdown pass. So here's my question to you. Mike Sealski. we remember these critical, horrible losses often for moments. The Joe Carter home run in 1993. That's the vision that's etched mm-hmm. in our minds. The 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 Rondé Barber pick six against McNabb in 2002, the final game at the vet. Ryan Howard collapsing at the plate, the fallen hero in 2011. Ten years from now, mm-hmm. when you're doing the show and I'm lying on a beach somewhere, <laughs> how are we going to remember this? What's going to be the play, the moment, the vision, the image that, right? Because it did, first of all, do you agree with my premise? Yes, okay. completely. It, it, I mean, there's the Phillies lost that 2011 um, series for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. But, but, the, but the image is Howard at the plate. Yeah. Falling down. Yeah. Torn Achilles. Yeah, I think there's an easy candidate for this, Glenn. I think the moment that people are going to think back to is the James Bradbury penalty. Oh, yeah. Because even with all of the factors that you mentioned, all the mistakes that the Eagles made, that game was still tied at 35. And the way that sequence played out, if you were watching that game on television, or even for those of us in the press box, you thought, okay, the Chiefs are going to kick a field goal here. Even if Harrison Butker makes it, the Chiefs are up three with what? A minute 40 to go. The Eagles are going to get the ball back, and they're going to have an opportunity to tie or win the game. And even if you're not rooting for the Eagles or you don't care who wins the game, that is an exciting finish for any football fan. And every Eagles fan in the Delaware Valley and around the country is there saying, okay, here's our chance. We had Nick Foles to Zach Ertz five years ago. We had Brandon Graham sacking Tom Brady five years ago. Now's our chance for Jalen Hurts to be a hero. And then you see the flag. And all that is taken away. Mm. And I think that's the moment that everybody's going to remember. You're probably right. Does that make us, I don't want to say whiners, because it's not really what I want to say, but does that, they lost that game for a lot of reasons other than the ref. It was, I, I mm-hmm. think it was a bad call. It was, it, well, it was the wrong call at that time because, again, you hadn't made that call all day. Now you choose to make that mm-hmm. little ticky-tack call. But if that's how we remember it, are we remembering it because the ref screwed us? No, I don't think so. I think we're we're remembering it because of its context, because of when and how it happened. Uh, it, it's different from 
it, it's different from any other play in that game because up to that moment, each of those mistakes, the punt return, the Sayamalu penalty, oh, the punt uh, Nick's decision not to go for it on fourth down, which I think was more significant than most people have discussed this week, mm-hmm. um, all those things aren't as dramatic and don't have the buildup that that play does. Because in that moment, if you're an Eagles fan, you're saying to yourself, our team is getting the ball back with a chance to win the right. game. You're still clutching the hope, and you have good reason to clutch the right. hope. They could still have won the game. That ended the game. There's no yeah. question about that. No, that's that, it. Would they get the ball back with four seconds to go? And yeah. try. By the way, when uh, when Hertz finally threw that Hail Mary, his, his, his shoulder was shot. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He had nothing left oh, in it. Oh, man. He had nothing left in it. But listen, he, he played a great game. Uh, he really He was did. incredible. Yeah, I, was I think he should have been the MVP. Um, you know, interesting. He was the best player on the field. If he had been the MVP, the national blowback on that would have been huge. The guy fumbles for a touchdown, and you're giving him the MVP? Yeah. I mean, look. He was the best player in the game. He was, although, I mean, gosh, what Patrick Mahomes did on a bad ankle, running for the yards that he ran for and throwing three touchdown passes. And, 33 yards, and those guys are just whiffing. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny, Glenn. I was, I was re-watching and thinking about the game again, and there's one play, I think it was in the third quarter, that kind of captured the whole uh, tenor of it to me. There. Mahomes scrambles. The Eagles are trying to get him. Hassan Reddick's been chasing him all day. And Mahomes breaks from the pocket, kind of rolls to his left, rolls back to his right, throws across his body, kind of sidearm into the middle of the field. And Travis Kelsey makes the catch. Yeah, like two in, The ball's like two inches yeah, off the ground. It's a great catch. And it's one of those plays where I would imagine if you're a defensive player, if you're an Eagles player, you're like, what the hell do we have to do? Right. We did everything right, and this guy makes that throw, and that guy makes that catch. Yeah. Um, so let's throw that out there, and I, we really uh, want to hear what people have to say. 215-592-9494. What, what will be the moment that 10 years ago we will remember? This week, we hope it was cathartic on 94 WIP, and we talked about the refs, and we talked about the bad field, and we talked about the horrible punt and the bad special teams and everything else that went into it. And the fumble. And the, the fumble. The fumble. All of it. What will be the one that 10 years from now that we're going to say, oh, yeah, that's Super Bowl. That was that. We do agree it was such a missed opportunity. It was. It was. And I think, you know, I'm saying on the one hand, Jalen Hurts should have been the MVP because of everything he did to keep the Eagles in that game. But you cannot minimize the significance of that fumble mm-hmm. and that and what it led to. You know, the Eagles are up 14-7. to They're moving the ball. Uh, the Chiefs haven't shown really that they can stop them yet. Uh, you've got a chance to take a two-score lead in the first half and really bury them, and it's an unforced error, and it swings the game completely around uh, in a way that um, the, the the game was never the same after that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a shame because Hurts played such a magnificent game other than that, but, man, that one hurt. All right, one other thing I get to we'll get a call or two in here, which is um, – how much did this one hurt? And I, I heard a lot of people in the aftermath saying, oh, man, this one hurts as much as any, and this one's killing me, and so on. And, and I don't think so. It may in the moment, right, because mm-hmm. you're up in that game and you have every chance to win, and then you blow it, you choke, and so on. But you wrote a column during the week um, that I think is was, was really good, saying we've been angrier before for good reason. Yeah, look— uh, this may be a function of age and the fact that I've been following Philadelphia sports my whole life and can remember these things, but we did go 25 years in this city without any kind of championship at all. And then when the Phillies won in 2008, the city went another close to 10 years before the Eagles won again. So that wore on people a lot. And I think that the the memory, the residue of the Eagles Super Bowl victory in 2017-18 is still here. And so while people are disappointed, you're always disappointed when your team loses a championship game, I don't think it hurts as much for that reason. In, in 17 and 18, and your old partner can speak to this, there was this sense of, if they don't win this game, yeah, oh yeah, my father or me or my grandfather is never going to see the Eagles. Win I'm this going Super to my Bowl. grave, and I'll never have seen it. Exactly. I'll, I'll just to, to add one thing, just to put it in perspective, because and I moved here in 1986, which was three years into the dry spell that lasted forever. Mm-hmm. I was here for 22 years before they yep. won one. Um, but 
if you were, this is heading into the, the 2017 Super Bowl, if you were like 10 years old when you saw the Eagles win in 1960, mm-hmm. you were collecting Social Security yeah. when they won it the next time. That's a lifetime. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I can speak to that. I mean, I, I've discussed this with my father, for instance, who's been a lifelong fan. He was 12 years old when they won in 60. And, and I honestly think that he had gotten to the point, I don't want to speak for him, where he was thinking, I'm never going to see them win a Super Bowl. Right. I'm um, 72, 70, whatever, however, sorry, Dad, I forget how old you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to see them win before I die. And I think hundreds of thousands of people felt that way, and that's why 17, 18 meant so much. And so that's still there. The other factor, too, is the Phillies went on an amazing run in October just to get to the World Series, filled with dramatic, incredible moments. I know you're not a soccer guy. I'm not a soccer guy. The soccer people who are out there derived a lot of enjoyment from the union, mm-hmm. making the run to the MLS Cup and the, and the championship match there. And the Eagles season itself was kind of this pleasant surprise that we, we knew they'd be good. We didn't think they'd be this good. And, oh, my gosh, our quarterback, who we weren't sure about, has become a star. People at their core enjoy the ride. That's what they want out of sports. They want the ride. There's a reason that the best summer of my life was the summer of 1993 because I was a Phillies fan and that charge to the pennant came out of nowhere. It Even was though so you, much fun you ended that night. season crying in your bed? In your, in, I was in my, in my dorm room at LaSalle University my freshman oh, year. Okay. And yes, there were tears, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's what people want. They want the ride. And the ride was really great. And we, you know, the city celebrated a championship just five years ago. Yeah, I think you're right. People don't want to say it right now because the wound is fresh, but it's it's not going to hurt as much as, as past losses because we got the win. Yeah. And you talked about optimism and fatalism. And I will tell you, having done this forever and been in this town uh, covering sports since the late 1980s and doing this on the radio since 93, the Negadelphia is, is much less than it used to mm-hmm. be. The Philly fatalism is far less than it used to be because we had the two and it's two's not enough, mm-hmm. but at least we got the relationship was consummated. Yeah. It, I, I'll, put, I, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I get you. I, the, the comparison I would we make. We had our I'm, moment. That's <laughs> a dry spell. And, and it was and, glorious. And, and, yes. You know, dry spells can get can get tough. They can. No, but the, I would just say the analogy I would draw would be. Uh, it's uh, going to be less profane than my analogy. <laughs> <laughs> this this radio show has been rated R by the Motion Picture yeah. Association of America. Um, what would be the 1983 World Series. Okay. My friend Tyler Kepner, who writes at the New York Times, grew mm-hmm. up in the Philly area, huge Phillies fan as a kid, speaks very much of how the 1983 World Series was his entrance into Philly fandom, and it really hurt him. He is the only person I know who mentions the 1983 World Series today as, oh, that just killed me. Because well, he was of a certain age. Because he was of a certain age, and the Phillies had won the World Series three years earlier. Right, but not to him. Right. I get it. I get it. Um, let's, uh, talk to V in Sharon Hill. V, how are you this morning? How are you holding up? Hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> it's been a rough week. Um, went to work. The first thing someone says is, how about them cheese? They just didn't know it was uh, going to be a uh, Nobody wants that. Did you throw coffee in his face? No, I just looked at her, a Giants fan, and thought, how about those Giants? All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as far as, like, I knew it was going to be a big challenge when I saw everyone falling on the field. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Why is the field so messy? Yeah. But the play that pissed me off was the one where A.J. Brown caught it, and he held it on his shoulder as he went out of bounds. Then he lost control. He had control. Oh, the, Dev- the Devontae Smith catch, yes. Yeah, there is there is that Thanks, v. V, that, there is that feeling of helplessness in a game like that where a call doesn't go your way uh, and it seems like, how can they not see it? You know, How is this not helping us? What's going on here? Had Ross Tucker on the pregame last mm-hmm. Sunday, and Ross said, 
the one thing I really hope at the end of this game, he said, you know, obviously I'm rooting for the Eagles, but the one thing I really hope is at the end of the game, the team we're not talking about is the refs. Mm. And we are. Yeah. And, and the one, and, and you can argue that the call against Bradbury was a penalty, and people do, and I get that. And you can argue that eh, that wasn't a catch, and I get that. But the referees, again, for too many times, take what is the flow of a football game and ruin it. It, it took them three minutes to determine that wasn't a catch. Mm-hmm. If you can't figure it out in one minute, the play stands. Yeah, and and it's interesting too, Glenn, because if you remember after that overturned catch by Devontae, there was the play later where Miles Sanders catches the screen pass, gets popped, and it looks like he fumbles the ball. Right. And I thought that was a fumble. Mm-hmm. And I think if if I were guessing, I would say the reason that that was ruled an incomplete pass was because the officials looked at that Sanders play and the Devontae Smith play and said, Devontae Smith had control of the ball longer than Miles Sanders did, mm-hmm. and we called the Devontae Smith play not a catch. Yeah. We can't call the Miles Sanders play a fumble, even if it is. Understand, my whining about the officials is not as an Eagles fan. Well, I mean, it is. No, it says more a than fan that, of it says football. a football fan. Yes. Just butt out. Let him play the game. Yeah. All right, I want to get something in here in the first segment, and I certainly am hoping that people will talk about this today because I do want to talk today about Angelo Cataldi and his retirement after an amazing career. Um, more than that, and or in addition to that, I want to talk about what WIP, 24-Hour Sports Radio, means in this community, and I'm hoping it doesn't come across as self-serving or, um, or that. But the influence and growth of this station from when Angelo started it and now that he ends is remarkable. And by the way, he's the largest part of the reason it has grown so much. So I want to talk about a bit what WIP means to you. And, and feel free to rip as colleague and Crossing Broad did yesterday. But Angelo is a guy I really respect. Um, and I'll start with this. You and I each have our own Angelo story. Mm-hmm. And yours is great. All right. So I'm a senior at LaSalle in the fall of 1996. Angelo joins the uh, faculty as an adjunct. He's going to teach a journalism class, sports writing class. I don't take the class, but I get to meet him. We're talking. We get to be a little bit friendly. And Angelo, as anyone who has listened to his show knows, graduated from the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. So I wanted to go there uh, and because I thought, you know, I'm going to live in New York. I'm going to learn how to report. This is going to be great. Angelo, would you please write me a letter of recommendation? He says, absolutely. He gives me the letter. It's lovely. I mail off my application. I wait to hear. And I wait. And I wait. And I wait. And it gets to the point where I'm saying, something's not right here. I should have heard from Columbia by now. So I call up the admissions office and they say, we have no application from you. It's, it's gone. There's no, who are you? There's nothing here. So I'm like, oh my God, it must have gotten lost in the mail. So I go see Angelo and I basically tell him, look, uh, thank you so much for the recommendation. But I don't know what happened. My application's gone. They don't have it. He says, wait a minute. He says, I'm going to handle this. A couple days go by. I see him again. He calls me. And he says, "Uh, I called Columbia. I called the, the admissions office. They found your application. He said, I got on the phone with them and I said, I'm an alumnus. This kid deserves a shot to to." Be part of your program. I'm not saying you got to let him in, but you got to find this application. And they found the application. And I got got in. And I got in. And uh, so he, I owe him for that. If not for him, it would have been sitting in a drawer for all these years. Yeah. I don't know where it was, but they found it. Um, And it was because he called them and told them to go find it. That's a great story. Wait a minute. I'll um, <laughs> I'll t- I'll tell my own personal stuff with Angelo later. Uh, but I I worked with him before he came to WIP. But the, the the story is this, and this is I really would love to hear people's perspective on this. I mean, Angelo retiring is Jim Gardner retiring. Angelo retiring is, you know, the the most important person in sports media in this city over the last three decades. I just don't I don't think that can be argued. No, I, I don't even I'm know. Not sure, you can. I don't even know who's second, but he's yeah. first. Um, probably Eskin. No, I can't. can't. Um, he, Angelo came to WIP when it was beginning. We were, we were doing this little one hour show in the morning and he was clearly the best. And Mm -hmm. he, 
He, he took the leap from newspapers, which at the time was highly risky, to work with Tom Brookshire, who was great. By the way, they started a WIP Hall of Fame yesterday with Tom Brookshire wow. and Angelo Cataldi, and it was a brilliant move by management to do it and something I, I, I think is great, and I know how honored he was. Um, and he started, and he was like a little nervous about it and a little mm-hmm. shy about it and, and more of a newspaper guy kind of, you know, got to be objective kind of thing. Right. But learned it and learned it fast had the best work ethic of anybody I've ever seen, kept amazing hours. They would get in here at 2.30 in the morning and listen to cuts and watch stuff and form opinions, and created a team with Al and Rhea and Jonesy and Conklin and Wechter um, that w- it was better than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And for all of these years, carried the sports conversation in Philadelphia. Uh, when it's an Eagles game is over on Sunday, Monday morning, everybody turns in. Mm-hmm. What does Angelo have to say? Yeah, and he more than anybody lead led has led the dialogue in this city for so long, and done it brilliantly. And you can disagree with him, and I often do. And you can find him buffoonish, which he will admit he sometimes is, and he straddles a line sometimes between reasoned opinion and just kind of being a. a, a, a jackass, Mm -hmm. which he will admit he is too, Mm -hmm. but man, he made it work, and he built WIP. I mean, Tom Bigby was the program director that kind of put WIP in the direction it has now, and there have been other great hosts here, and I've been delighted to be involved for all these years, but we all know it's been Angelo's station, Yeah, and so I just want to open the lines to people who want to talk about Angelo or talk about the station or talk about the nature of the medium and whatever, and if if you if you disagree with any of this, by all means, uh, feel free to call and chip in. Yeah, I think you put your finger, Glenn, on what was ingenious about what Angelo did, which was the and you use the right phrase, the straddling of the line between seriousness and humor and comedy, particularly self-deprecating humor and comedy. Right, oh, yeah. as you said, the jackass element, so to speak. The analogy I would draw would be to John Stewart on the Daily Show, where because of his audience and because of his intelligence, you had to take him seriously. And to a certain degree, he wanted to be taken seriously. But if you pushed back against him, if Gabe Kapler got angry, if Nick Sirianni didn't like a question that was being asked or something along those lines, Angelo could always kind of put up the shield of, why are you taking me so seriously? I'm the wing bowl guy. I'm the, right. I'm the guy who's doing silly voices and, mm-hmm. you know, can be, you know, just funny and silly and kind of a goober in a way. So why are you taking me so seriously? And it made him kind of untouchable in this way, uh, this force field where you, you couldn't push back on him too much. And that that kind of is the genius of what he did. And I'm really curious, honestly, to see how the, the impression of Philadelphia media and fandom changes if at all without him here because i think he was a big driver or reason that people drew certain conclusions about philadelphia and the market yeah uh, was, oh i do too him. yeah inside and outside you're yeah. right yeah P- people nationally saw philadelphia through the lens of uh angela Cataldi. yes which some people will say is a bad thing whether it's good or bad it's definitely it was the true. reality and yeah. I'll, I'll just say this we have a new morning team coming in uh, with Joe and John and James, and I think those guys are going to do a great job. They have big shoes to fill. They know that. But uh, the station will continue to move forward. So whatever you have to say, it's it's we rarely have these kind of days where we talk about ourselves, the station. But with Angelo leaving, I think it's kind of appropriate. So I'd love your feedback on that. 215-592-9494. Uh, Kevin and Warren, you guys are coming up next, and then we'll add to it. Oh, but next, Mike. Oh, we settle some scores and we settle some. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We'll get back to the uh, phones in one second. But, Mike, you, replacing Ray Dinger this year, stepped in valiantly to make the stupid football bet, which we have done for years and years, which basically is a bet between the two hosts on this show that relates to something on the Eagles, but it can't be something too critical to the results. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that way in light of the Super Bowl, sure. And <laughs> the bet we made, well, the, the play that cost them didn't. No, it didn't factor, factor in. into the bet. But the bet we made was based on Eagles special teams, but the return game, not the yes. kick game. The return right. game, and in short form, you got a point. Uh, you had little faith in Eagles' return game, mm-hmm. which during the first half of the year seemed very valid. You got a point basically for every bad return or muff they had. Yep. I got a point for extraordinarily good returns. Let the record show at one point you were up 7-1. to one. I think six to one, yeah, and I was cruising and I was gloating and I was rubbing it in your face. And then Britton Covey <laughs> finds the season. It goes back and forth. <sighs> We're tied at the end of the regular season, seven to seven? Yeah. Or eight to eight. Seven to seven? Seven seven. Seven yes. seven. That's right. It came yeah. back from six to one to seven seven. Uh and we said, you know what? We'll just take it into the postseason. Now, the loser of the bet has to buy dinner yes. for the other guy, as well as our two producers, Kyle Quinn and Dan Wilson, mm-hmm. because they work really hard. We appreciate their efforts. This is a chance to allow them to come out and stuff their face. And we enjoy their company. And we enjoy their company. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's 7 7. It's the Super Bowl. You need a muff by the Eagles, which I don't know how much you would have celebrated that, but maybe you would have. I need a good return. Minute fifth, minute 33 left in the second quarter. The Chiefs have the ball at their own 34. Fourth and 12, all-pro punter Tommy Townsend is sent on to boot it. Here is the punt. It is end over end. Coming up is Covey. Takes it at the 20, starts down the sideline. Cuts back at the 30, across the 40, almost to the 45. Britton Covey. Fantastic. It was a little bit tough to handle, but Britt Covey got the handle on it and returns it for 24 yards. 24 yards and the win. Oh, man. I was I, done. I'm I was, Deviner. I was done in by one of the three guys on the roster who I'm actually bigger than. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's only Boston Scott who is much stronger and right. thicker and faster than I am. Uh, Jake Elliott, who yeah, you know yeah. could, could kick me from here out to Market Street. And Britton Covey. And I actually, you know, I, as you know, Glenn, I wrote a column at the beginning of the season suggesting kind of tongue-in-cheek but kind of seriously that the Eagles might consider not using a punt returner this oh, year. Oh, I think that's why we made the bet. I think it is. And I actually went up to Britton at one point during the season. I said, listen, I'm the guy who wrote that they shouldn't use a punt returner and uh, you've proven me wrong. So kudos to you. And then he, he really shoved it in my face. You know, in the second quarter, there I obviously couldn't talk to him about it after the Super Bowl game because everybody in the locker yeah. room was distraught. Yeah. But well, speaking of shoving it in his face, I intend to be shoving food in my face <laughs> along with Kyle. Kyle, uh, you uh, you you basically you couldn't lose in this thing, so you got to be excited about this. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a win win for me, and uh, I really was in it just to see which one of you guys was was going to lose. Now, now, Kyle, you and Dan are not ordering any hors d'oeuvres oh you correct? don't That's know the... you the way I, I gotta tell you when the producers go out oh man listen these guys work hard they don't get paid enough and so when they go out it's like it's like uh the kid in uh caddyshack uh, uh, i want brands. a hamburger give me one of these i'll take one of these <laughs> I, want I want a one cheeseburger of right i was thinking it's been a while since i've had a nice surf and turf like a flame and yawn and lobster sure yeah. you know okay yeah Kyle. whatever you want Kyle, yeah. you, you and make can, sure you take some home. You cannot order surf and turf at Ralph's and be my friend. <laughs> well, we we got to reach out to Ralph's, make sure that works for Ralph's. But Ralph's is always the place of choice, and I love Ralph's. If you take us to Ralph's, I'm good with that. Okay. All right. Kevin in Limerick has been hanging. Let's talk to Kevin. What's on your mind, Kev? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, hey morning. listen. Four points I got to make. Hopefully, I get him in. The offense and defense in line, they let us down. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, we're supposed to be the dominators. The Chiefs, they took control. Agreed. Fair point. 
What's your second point? Keep going. Uh, Smith, when that call was overturned, now that was under two minutes. Am I correct, Mike? I think you're right, yeah, that they had to look at it. Right, they had to look at it because it was ruled a catch on the field. Also, am I correct, I believe that Mahomes was hurt a few plays before that, and then that long uh, delay and then the long um, halftime, I think that helped him, you know, to get through that injury. Yeah, T.J. Edwards dragged him down by the – by the injured ankle, by the right ankle, late in the first half, and you're probably right. The uh, I would blame Rihanna for, you know, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes coming back and winning the MVP award, and the Chiefs winning the game. You guys mentioned earlier when Kelsey, when Mahomes scrambled around and made that catch, Kelsey caught it like two inches off the ground. That was a killer. I don't know what the down and distance, but that that was a huge play. Yeah, that's just the kind of play that demoralizes a defense, I think, Kevin. Um, you do everything you can possibly do, and they still complete a pass and gain yardage. Tony in Germantown is with us. Hey, Tony, how are you today? I'm good, guys. Good morning. I'm actually here to talk about Angel a little bit and the station. Sure. I want to tell you, I'm not really an avid sports fan. I just actually started listening to the station sometime in October when the Phillies were in the World Series. But I have listened every single day, Monday through Friday, on my commute to work, I hear Angelo. And I was so upset when the Eagles lost on Sunday, but not for the reason everybody might think. I was so worried about Angelo. I didn't know how he was going to be on Sunday morning. I swear, I was laying in my bed. I could not sleep. I was worried about Rhea. I was like, oh, my God. And Eagles, Shirley, all these people I don't even know. So here's what I'll, here's what I'll say, Tony, and I'm going to interpret <laughs> what you say, and, and it's something that I've really kind of been privileged to, to be part of. We are we are very fortunate, and, and I'll use the word privileged again, that people like you and, and the people who call and the people who just listen allow us into their lives, allow us yeah. to come into their houses through their radios or the, or the, the app or spend time with us in their cars and wake up with us, as you do with Angelo, and go to bed with us, the guys who work late. And it, the part of it doing the job for me, and I know I speak for Angelo here, is that you form connections with people, sometimes people you don't even know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was so concerned. And I just want to assure you guys that I'm going to continue to listen. I've learned so much about sports, and it's actually fun to me. So I'm buying jerseys. I'm doing all kinds of things. There you go. I That's have great. I my past. But I'm really excited, and I'm looking forward to the next thing. Now, I really can't get with the Sixers right now. I'm trying. I'm trying. So <laughs> if you say these kinds of things about them, I might be able to work with them. But, you know, just pray for me. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thanks, Appreciate Tony. I think a lot of people feel the same way about the Sixers. It's something that I know you will come to experience more and more. As You know, I was a newspaper guy, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're a newspaper guy. People will recognize you. You have your picture on your column, so you probably get that some. Or they hear your name. It's an unusual name like mine. It's like, Sealski, oh, yeah, you're the guy who writes for the Inquirer. Why did you say that stupid thing last week, right? <laughs> But when you're on the radio and they hear your voice and they get to know, you talk about a lot more than sports, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, you mentioned that when I came on board, that there's going to be an element of opening up personally in this job uh, that doesn't come with writing a newspaper column necessarily or, or covering the sports teams on a day-to-day basis. And that's mm-hmm. great. That's what uh, has made the station, part of what has made the station uh, as strong as it's been for as long as it's been. It's a real personal thing. And again, Angelo was the one who, who did it the best over the years. Just did it great. Warren in Gwynedd Valley. Hey, Warren. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Um, I was, um, Glenn, I was thinking about um, the Eagles' loss, and there's, there's only one name that, that didn't come up that, that didn't take any blame, and that's Marcus Hayes for wanting to just to go there to play golf. So I, th- I think it's Marcus's <laughs> fault. You're blaming Marcus for wanting to play golf? Yeah, in Arizona. I think that's what went wrong, really. Mm. Okay. Everybody else had all the other excuses. I just had to come up with something. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can pin a lot of different things on Marcus. I don't think his love for golf, uh, I can fault him too much for that. I know, I know. But everybody came up with everything possible, and it's been going over and over. But so what Marcus, bothers you the most? Marcus got left out. So what really bothers you the most? About the, the game? Yeah. Yes. The the thing that really kills me is that we were favored and we believe everybody believed, you know, just like how could this be true that all of Philadelphia all of a sudden had all this optimism and that everything went into the game that could go wrong did go wrong and we there was no doubt in anybody's mind that we would win 
And then we were all, you know, stunned. I mean, literally stunned because we had put ourselves out there on the edge of the plank. Uh, so, so is that a the, bad thing? Because I had somebody no. argue with me on social media. It's like, once again, you guys set yourself up for the inevitable fall. <laughs> is it a bad thing that people were uh, unbridled, that they took the leap of faith? No, no. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying... It's what it strikes you. Very yeah. non-Philadelphia sports-like. Ah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. That it, it, we, we, we all put ourselves out there knowingly and happily, but... You know, it, it, at the end of the day, you know, all these things combined together took us down. Okay, that's fine. I, I can get over it. It's, yeah, we're used to being the is. underdog, and it's a great point. Yeah, I, I've said for a long time, Glenn, that for a large segment of the Philadelphia fan base, the natural position is a defensive crouch. They don't, it's not natural for a Philadelphia sports fan to walk around with his or her arms up in the air in a, in a V of victory because you expose your soft targets that way, and it hurts too much oh, if your team loses. Wow, that's a good line. You ever use that? Yes, I have, actually. Oh, in my role oh, as a cold sports columnist for the Inquirer who does not reveal himself publicly, personally, uh, the way he does on WIP. There you go. 215-592-9494. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack. Now coming up, Mike gets one final chance to get Jonathan Gannon <laughs> off his chest. <laughs> Everybody in town is angry at Jonathan Gannon. You wrote an entire column about him skulking out of town. Yes. I would like you therapeutically okay. to vent on that, and then we'll move on. It's, but I know you need that. It's not business, Sonny. It's not personal, Sonny. It's oh, just business. No, I, don't, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that, was, that was Jonathan Gannon. Oh, yeah. Gannon's got a lot of weird noises. Okay. <laughs> but hey, play him while you can. 215-592-9494. Mike and Glenn. Hey, I can tell you from my long association with the folks at Meridian Bank, they're among the best and brightest when it comes to the banking part, but they're also a bunch that likes to have a good time. Maybe that's why Meridian has just been ranked as a number one Delaware Valley place to work. Now, for you, that kind of company culture translates into both business success and a thoroughly enjoyable experience. If your business banking is painful, a cure is available. And you can find it at meridianbanker.com. Jonathan Gannon, your new head coach, Arizona Cardinals. Ready to get to work. Buckle up. We're going to have some fun. Shut up. <laughs> What's up, bird gang? What's up, bird gang? Shut up. Never play that again. Oh, my God. Uh, you know. Uh, listen, he got the job. Good for him. I don't begrudge him for taking the job. Although, you know what? I don't want to say anything because this is a moment. Mike, you wrote a very uh, well-formed, interesting, uh, opinionated column after the Super Bowl about two guys and how they handled it. One of them was Jonathan Gannon. One with James Bradbury, mm -hmm. who kind of said, like, yeah, it was a penalty. Yeah. And Jonathan Gannon, and I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. So, <laughs> so look, I've, I've listened to the station for a good bit of the week, and have heard a lot of people lamenting uh, the way that the Eagles' defense performed in the Super Bowl. And we've had this discussion basically for the last two years that Gannon has been the defensive coordinator about how good is he really. The team doesn't play well against good quarterbacks, but yet they picked up 70 sacks. And how good a coach is he really and all these sort of things. And on the whole, I thought Gannon did a pretty good job as the coordinator. He got completely outcoached in that Super Bowl, though. And what irked me, really bothered me in the aftermath of it, was to walk into the Eagles' locker room after the game and see James Bradbury standing there at his locker and kind of fixing his suit coat and turning around, throwing his shoulders back and kind of nodding his head and standing there and answering question after question about that penalty as, that, as we discussed, is going to be the memorable moment for Eagles fans coming out of this game. Mm -hmm. He grabs Juju Smith-Schuster, the flag gets thrown, all of a sudden a game that the Eagles might win becomes a game the Eagles can't win, and he's the GOAT. Not the greatest of all time, but the guy who yeah. gets pointed to is the reason they lost the game. So he's standing there answering question after question after question. And Jonathan Gannon, who, in fairness, is under no obligation to answer questions after a game, he didn't have to, didn't. And that just rubbed me the wrong way. I thought, here is a situation where 
Gannon's name has been thrown out there in head coaching searches and circles for a while now. It was not surprising to have him go interview and be hired by the Cardinals in the aftermath of the Super Bowl. I felt like he could have taken some time and stood up there the way James Bradbury did, shoulder to shoulder with his with his players. And even if he says, guys, we should have played better. Guys, I got to look at the film. Guys, the Chiefs outplayed us. I could have done a better job. Even if he offers those Andy Reid-like cliches, at least he's standing there answering questions. Players are taking the heat. Yeah. He should take the heat. Exactly. And that really bothered me. I get so it. That's a good I, point. That's what I wrote. It was a powerful column. Now, he said afterward uh, that he never spoke with the Cardinals before the Super Bowl. That, uh, I don't know, uh, Kyle, if, you, if you're able to quickly find the sound on that, where he said, like, yeah, the day after we're going to go home and uh, – Howie Roseman says to me, no, you're not going. You're staying here to talk to the Cardinals. And voila, six hours later, the Cardinals hire him. Yeah, I'm skeptical of that, needless to say. Uh, And never mind the fact that his name had been out there as a head coaching candidate. Even if he had not spoken to the Cardinals, it was logical and reasonable to think that a team that had not hired a head coach yet might want to talk to him in the aftermath of the Super Bowl. And he could have taken a minute to stand up for his players and take the heat in the way that they took the heat. I agree. And by the way, if the Cardinals hired him with like just one day interview after the Super Bowl, that's not exactly. Yeah, it's a red, it's a red not, stamp. Not great diligence by them. All right. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's right, that my Jonathan good. game. All right. Do you feel better now? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know. Will you be, as many Philadelphians will be, will you be harboring ill feelings toward Jonathan Gannon for years to come? No, I just think he messed up on this night. He, he should have stood there and answered questions about his defense's performance. And he messed up on the field and off and in the yeah. locker room. Yeah, but I have right. nothing personal against him. Rocco, will you be harboring ill feelings toward Jonathan Gannon for years to come? Me? Yeah. Oh, uh, that that's an understatement. I was going to say, <laughs> all I'm doing is putting the ball on the tee for you here, my friend. Yeah, I mean, um, you know what? I, I didn't call to talk about that loser. Um, I... I called in to talk about a winner, and that's Angelo Cataldi. Um, Glenn, you see me at the games. I wear my name on the back of my uh, mm-hmm. shirt, and, and, and people know me and recognize me and want to talk to me at the games and even abroad. When And it's just uh, I owe it all to Angelo. And then, you know, I started thinking there's a lot of people who could, you know, fall into that, that group. And then I started thinking, look, Mike, you don't know, I'm a high school teacher. I teach mm-hmm. personal finance. So a lot of things with me is about commerce and money. And I started thinking about businesses that had grown because of Angelo. Glenn, I think before you came on WIP, you were doing the great sports debate. Yes. And you were doing the live shows at Chicken Pete's. Yes. And at the time was one location on Roberts Avenue, that little hole in the wall place. And now look how much has grown. I mean, you can make it, make the argument that Angelo was a factor in that growth. Should eat free for life there. And probably will. <laughs> He'll demand but, I mean, that he eats free others. there. Look, but look at others. Mitchell and Ness with Big Ruben. Um, uh, 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 Steven Singer. I mean, so forth and so on. I mean, Angelo had such a, uh, uh, an impactful uh, presence in, in for the last 30-plus years in the city of Philadelphia. You could, I would even make a slight argument that the Eagles surpassed the Phillies as the top sports team in Philadelphia because of Angelo. Well, it's a huge part of it. And rock. Thanks. And I look forward to talking to you as uh, moving forward, but, and yeah, I mean, I, Angelo as an amazing, uh, endorser and, mm-hmm. and, uh, somebody who can really sell product. Yes. It wasn't at the top of my list, but I can't dispute what Rocco has to say. No, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, I think he, he came along at a time where it became it was it was still possible to have a lot of shared experiences in a community. It's harder to do that now because everything is so fractured. You have your own Facebook page, your own social media, you can curate anything you want. There it's rarer now that everybody watches the same TV show or sees the same big movie, but somehow Angelo held on to this audience in within this yeah. market of People listen to the morning 30 show. plus years he was on top. It's yeah. an, it's a, it is a, I, I don't, I don't know if people outside of the business understand how incredibly hard that is to do because it, it really is hard to do. He's done it. Preston and Steve have done it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, and Jim Gardner did it. 
Yeah. And, Maybe and, there's somebody I'm leaving out, but it's really hard to do. And like I said earlier, Glenn, I'm really curious to see how the tenor of the town itself and the perception of the town change without him around. Because yeah. I do think that so much of the outside impression, and a lot of it was true, was based on him and yep. and the image that he projected about who we were as Philadelphians. And a lot of that sometimes was good. A lot of it sometimes wasn't so good. Yep. Uh, by the way, coming up at 11, we're going to talk to your colleague and Eagles beat writer Jeff McClain of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I know one of the topics we'll discuss is something John from Maniunk wants to bring up. Good morning, John. Hey, guys. Um, over to Super Bowl. I'm going to talk about the future of the Eagles here real quick. Sure. Sounds good. So uh, I'll just give a couple observations. You guys can reply. So um, I think that Howie's going to trade a number one down for a couple more picks is a uh, Picking off that guy Quinn that really hurt us, like for next year in a draft, and and I look. Yeah, that's the a, uh, that's the only movie made that didn't work. Was, yeah, was picking up Quinn. Uh, listen, it was supposed to. It didn't. The others did. Uh, I don't think they would trade the first one because that's pretty valuable. But the mm-hmm. the second one, the thirty. Well, it's the thirtieth now because the Dolphins don't have a first rounder. Yeah, yeah, I could see them trading that down. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to want to accumulate picks. Yeah, and on, 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 I'm looking here on uh, the internet. We have like 23 agents. I think. Yes. Everyone likes Brandon Graham. I think Fletcher Cox is definitely gone. But um, which guys would you keep? I hear people talking Gardner Johnson. I would try to think about bringing Hargrave back. So, uh, Mike, you go first on that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, John. Okay. John Hargrave is 30, and I think you have to make a, a judgment call about how much Good productive point. football he has left in him, right? And now... It's certainly possible that he has plenty in it. I mean, they, they signed Indomitian Sue, and he's 36, I think, and he was pretty good for them. So it's possible for a defensive lineman to to play into his 30s and still be good. So if if you're confident in Javon Hargrave that he can continue to maintain this level of play, I might look at him first. Okay. Um, I To me, the, I got to get one of the two back, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or Bradbury. They're free agents. Epps is a free agent. You're, mm-hmm. You can't lose that much of your secondary. I'd love to keep both Gardner Johnson and Bradbury. I don't know that I can. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Hargrave. You're going to, I think Cox is not coming back unless mm-hmm. he does it on a bargain basement contract. I think the same thing with Brandon Graham. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys you signed during the season were really just kind of short term substitutes. Yes. So Hargrave does become more important. It's, it's, I'm looking less at the position itself than I I mean at the player himself than I am at the position. Well, and you can't just allow yourself to have those positions stripped down. You're right, and the the guy who becomes very important in the off season uh, and next season is Jordan Davis. Yeah, you, you need him to develop yeah, because he really took well. a step backward yeah. after yep. he suffered that injury this Agree. year. Agree. Uh, let's think of one more call before the top of the hour. Uh, wait, did I just did I hang up? I no. Let me get Mike in Delaware. Yeah, That's who I want to get. Mike, you're oh. on uh, with uh, Mike and Glenn. Glenn, Mike, good morning. Morning, um, Mike. I haven't had a chance to call in, Mike, since you joined the group, but let me just say that I really, really enjoy you on the show. I think you had big shoes to fill, and you've been doing a great job. I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, so, Angelo, uh, I'm old enough, unfortunately, to remember him as a writer, and he really was a great writer. Phenomenal. Um, terrific. And uh, in 33 years at the top of any media, kind of just shows you that he had to have been great. Uh, what he did. Mm-hmm. But I have a major criticism of him, and it's one I might be unpopular for. Go ahead. But I think his issue, the issue I had with him, was that he really pandered to like the lowest common denominator too much. And I think he really, probably more than anybody else, just kind of helped perpetuate that negative stereotype of the boorish Philadelphia fan. And didn't just perpetuate it, but I think he encouraged it. You're, you're not alone in that opinion, and and um, a guy from Crossing Broad wrote an entire column based mm-hmm. on that yesterday. So my thought on that, Mike, is uh, I can understand you feeling that way, but I also think that Angelo often did that tongue-in-cheek, and it worked on several levels, if that makes any sense to you. No, I understand what you're saying, but unfortunately, I think a lot of people didn't realize that he was doing it tongue-in-cheek. Um, and I've seen it a lot in what I call negative trolling of other teams on the Internet. It's something I don't think he really kind of thought about. But I've kind of seen that there's been a lot of negative trolling by Philadelphia fans, way more than I think I would have expected in, in the past. Wait, and you say that's on I, Angelo? 
Well, I'm just saying that the the, the mindset that that incur that his his behavior encouraged kind of helps with that as well. It's not just that. I mean, you've seen it, you know, just in in public. You know, people are, you know. Yeah, I think you're putting had- too much on Angelo there, and and I I got to hit a break, and I I do appreciate your call, and well, I, I sp- you can speak to it. If you yeah, want. look, I think. I had my battles on the air with Angelo, too. I got into a screaming match with him last year after, ironically enough, to bring it up today, after the Chiefs beat the Eagles mm-hmm. uh, during the regular season. And Andy Reid had won his 100th game with the Chiefs, first head coach in NFL history to win 100 games. I wrote a column pointing that out, and Angelo was angry with me that I didn't note all the terrible things about Andy Reid, and we ended up going back and forth about it. Um, I do think Angelo did help create the impression that Philadelphia sports fans at times are unreasonable. I, think. I don't know that he created it. You may, he may he have perpetuated it. Perpetuated it. It, 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 could, it goes back before any of it us. It does. It does. Um, exacerbated it, intensified it. Maybe that's, those are the okay. better words. Um, it was interesting. You mentioned the, the piece on Crossing Broad by Kevin Kincaid. Uh, our friend Anthony Sanfilippo wrote a similar one praising Angelo. But what I thought was interesting was that the example Anthony used to kind of show give his insight into Angelo was he and Angelo went to a Blue Jays Yankees spring training game together years ago because Angelo was a Yankees fan and they ended up getting to the game late they stayed an inning and a half and all the and the Yankees pulled all their good players from the game and Angelo immediately got up and wanted to leave and Anthony said where are you going it's a spring training game of course they're going to play the backups and Angelo said this game is no longer interesting I'm the customer I'm always right and I think that gets to kind of the tension that yep. that Mike was talking about. It's like, well, this is a reasonable thing that this team is doing. This is what all teams do. Even the Yankees are going to take Derek Jeter out in a spring training game. But to Angelo, that was the wrong thing to do for the fans, and he was going to complain about it. Nicely said. By the way, um, a guy on Twitter, uh, Mike Gibson, uh, just sent me a name. Pierre Robert is another guy who's been on top. Been yep. great. Yes. This oh. is before I got to town and on top of the market. Awesome. No, I, I just respect guys who are able to do that so much, uh, and Angelo is one of those. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk to Jeff McClain of The Inquirer. What are the Phillies, the Phillies, what are the Eagles going to be doing in terms of hiring? We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.